Sports meets beer. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Sports meets beer. Brad, Ben, we are here. Live and direct, We're as we like this. to say. That's it. Episode number 20. We'll get into that a few minutes later. Uh, but just wanted to go and talk through uh, what we're trying to talk about today. We got some awesome beers. Uh, we have some beers. Uh, yeah, uh, to be determined if they're awesome. Uh, we've got some beers from Toolbox Brewing out of San Diego. We've got some uh, local favorites, Fog Belt out of Santa Rosa, California, and our good friends at Dust Bowl. Turdlock. Rear their head. <laughs> Turdlock. Good one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've got three beers from them. We've got All-Star Game to talk about. We've got... Some rules of baseball that we need to be addressed and Of the unwritten type. The unwritten secret code. Make baseball fun again. Wink, wink, poke, poke. Uh, We got some fun clips. Our uh, extravaganza from the Big Q. We're going to play those for you. Pretty wild that we're at a stage where we could do a clip show episode. Well, we're just bringing clips in because we didn't have enough content to do a whole show. God, that what a black hole of content that sh- that event ended up being. It had a great idea behind it, but we got to really rethink our events we do. Yeah. Maybe do more like man on the street stuff. Well, where there's more drinking, less eating, I think. I agree, because you get more people. Although there was no shortage of drunk people, especially yeah. the woman who stole a chair for 40 minutes. Oh, my God. And you ran and left me with her. I, yeah, the second she sat oh, down, I was... You were out. Threw up the deuces. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, let's get this thing started. What do you think? Uh, yeah. Let's kick it off, bro. <laughs> I'm going to take my pants off. Sports meets beer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sports Meets Beer. I'm Ben. That's Brad. We failed to introduce ourselves for the last seven episodes. We just come to realize that. That's, that's not true, is it? About four episodes, probably. Too many of the episodes, right? Right. We kind of assume that everyone's been with us since day one, uh, which is not always the case. Uh, but we are here. Ben Perry, Brad Varmore, at your service. Uh, we're here to talk some all things sports. Some things, things, some things meets. Some, yeah, some meat. And uh, we're here to drink some beer. It's really the, the cool thing. I'm mostly here to drink beer. <laughs> uh, me too, since I brought all well, the beer. Um, we got a couple things to cover off on today. Uh, as we jump into this, uh, I want to kind of outline the show. Some of the clips you're going to hear today are from, uh, are from a, a little segment we did over the weekend we initially thought we'd have enough for a, a special episode, uh, but due to Mother Nature and its incessant wind, uh, not only, and I want to say, you know, RIP to our easy up tent, that thing took a fly through was, the yard. It took one for the team, though. Yeah, it that. did. It did it to, did to make us happy. Yes. I could tell up until at some point I folded it up, it was, it was happy, too. But that thing took off on us, and uh, even my uh, svelte frame uh, holding it, with leaning into it with all my weight, could you mean, barely keep this thing. You mean the sort again. of like handing on, ha- hanging on by one hand because you only sort of took the wind seriously until it went flying off of your. Oh yeah, <laughs> flying away. And at that, that point, the- I was like Magneto. My hand was on everything. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, the wind took it off, and and just went with it. And uh, I was like, you know, whole time I, I've got tent stakes literally in the garage. I mean, I could, That's, I could yeah. grab them easily, and I was like, ah, nah, you know, it's not gonna be that windy. It's Petaluma. And then Typhoon Norma hits, and holy moly, the wind was crazy. It blow- was we weren't the only one to lose an easy up, so let's, let's start there. Um, I don't know who the other folks were. I tried to get an interview. They were a little upset. 
Uh, but also, too, that kind of the reason why it made it so it wasn't a couldn't be a special episode is ideally I had imagined going around talking to people and doing some kind of roving reporter stuff. Um, well, with the wind like that, you know, Brad, you were working with uh, pickles on the chicken wing. Uh, uh, I don't really want to talk about that part of the afternoon because it well, was. Everyone told me how good it was. Uh, unfortunately, the judges didn't agree. Let me just give you the quick rundown. <laughs> quick. So that we don't have to talk about it. The sponsor who provided all of the product also had a uh, team, and they won. That's it. That's all I was doing. That seems a little unfair. I didn't taste anybody else's product, so I don't. Actually, I tasted one other, and they didn't win. So, And I know that they should did not deserve to win. The was one way that I did. Yeah, so right. uh, I didn't taste anybody else's product, so I don't know if we deserve to win or not. But I do know that the, that the company that sponsored the event winning is kind of a bad look. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's that's weird. That's weird that they even let that happen. Like I see, like participating for fun. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. That's kind of the way like, he made you know, it sound. Hey, hold up a white handkerchief and just say, "Hey, I'm here for the good times and supporting everybody." Yeah, it's like uh, almost like Harris Ranch putting together a uh, barbecue team at the G and G market. Yeah, and then having them win <sighs> consecutive years. Uh, you may sound, people are going to say, oh, you know, sore loser, sore loser. And be that as it may, uh, it's one of those things where it's just a, it's, it was silly. I don't um, mind losing. I really don't. There are some quality, as, quality yeah, as long teams as there, there were some, and there was some good teams there. As long as you're losing to better product, better executed wings or brisket, whatever the case may be. But I don't feel like I saw a lot of garbage out there. And I saw some good guys, but I also saw, like yeah. walking by, I didn't get a chance to sample much either. Um, when I was on Easy Up Ten Anchor Duty, <laughs> uh, but it's one of those things where, you know, I, this is my opinion of the the Sonoma County Big Q. I think it's the direction is it's going in the right direction. They've got a great idea because there were some people that traveled from around, not far, but far enough to make it. Yeah. There's a draw. Yeah, um, the location's great because it's it's big. They've got a big spread, and it's one of those things where. They had kind of had the easy ups and tents and the rows set up like it was a car show. Like it was like they expected 10,000 people to roll through. And I don't know if the wind played a factor or the weather or whatever. But I just felt like it was, there was not a ton of people at first. There was a long line, but everyone was coming in, you know, by two by two. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden it was just like it was a little steady for a while. And there was a rush for like an hour. But then as soon as, as soon as like, 400 people left. It felt like a ghost town. Hey, well, it's tough because it was spread out so wide. Right. I think they need to tighten up their... I mean, not, if, for anything, just to make it feel like it's a event that can grow. I mean, obviously, it, you look at it and go, oh, of course it can grow. But for this, it doesn't go, hey, you know, you might want to come next year. Make sure you sign up early because we want to make sure we can fit everybody in here. And and use the other back half as parking or whatever the case may be. I just thought it was kind of it was kind of weird in that aspect, but well, I mean, I think, like I said, they I was they're gracious enough to let us have a free booth there to podcast and let us lose our easy up tent. So I appreciate that. <laughs> but on the other side, you know, if they do want some opinion of people who were at their booth and doing stuff, um, yeah, they there's some there's some stuff that needs to be tweaked just slightly. Well, they're at a, they're at an interesting crossroads. I don't even want to say crossroads, but just like an interesting milestone in their the sort of. The, the history of that event in that they used to be at a much smaller venue. Uh, it was uh, at the uh, Sonoma, Sonoma Mountain or um, Sonoma Day School or whatever it is. Right. So, but they were at a much smaller venue and it started to fill up easily. 
So they needed to get bigger to be able to accommodate everybody. So they figured instead of changing year to year as they got bigger and bigger, let's get into a space. So they're like in this space, this location where like within five years, that thing will be full. Right. Yes. But it's just that. you're like at this stage right now where it feels, you know, like, oh, well, this is kind of small time for this place. I'd so. see that. And that was uh, that was at the uh, Sonoma Marin Fairgrounds in beautiful Petaluma, California. Yes. Home of the Petaluma Speedway, which was uh, kicking off that night, which was kind of cool because I left all the race cars were starting to line up and stuff. That was neat. Um, neat. That was neat. It was cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's uh, s- subtle things they could change to uh, to make that experience a little bit better for everybody. Uh, but all in all, like, like you said, in five years, I agree with you. In five years, it's going to be a fun event, and hopefully, we can get some like out-of-state teams, things like that, that will actually travel and come to it. Yeah, I. Uh, it's a fun event, man. I, I had a good time. The the. Uh, let's see the. Uh, award ceremony was good. They, <laughs> it's one of those things where they like, they realized too late how big they really are and so they had like this tiny little like mic stand and small amplifier you couldn't hear anybody um you couldn't hear anybody speaking so you had no idea like what they were announcing or whatnot and so like i'm still not even sure who won what or what's going on i'm trying to call well, on the and website the fact here, that but. they waited until the very end like to me i would start announcing like stagger your announcements like starting at three it's so like yeah. three o'clock announced chicken wing, three thirty announced the frickin' bean contest, three you know, yeah. you know, whatever. Staggered out to where you keep people engaged. Um, and I also felt like there was there was a long list of beer that was supposed to be there that was not there. There were three breweries, one cidery on the grounds for sampling. Yeah, I felt like that was supposed to be a lot bigger part of it. I think it was, and I don't know what happened. Um, but I don't know, for a fifty dollar ticket to go and sample barbecue and they'd be expecting some beer. I don't know. I, I would I would gladly pay like sixty, sixty five if there were maybe two dozen breweries, which would be easy in this area since we have like almost we're I think we're coming up on forty breweries in Sonoma Marin. Good so God. uh I think it would be something that would have been easy to do. But it's not my thing. So best of luck to them and hopefully we get back next year if we get invited. Hopefully they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> well I do want to give them. I do want to give a uh, a big uh, shout out to the grand champion from the event. Now that I realize who it was, or now that I see that it, it is what I thought it was. So this barbecue team named Son of Smoke, the the oh, yeah, master there was like you were seventeen about, right? years old. Yeah, and he could not have been older than seventeen years old. Eighteen maybe. Uh, he won. He had a top five finish in five categories, or four out of five categories. The fifth category being like a mystery meat, which they did flat iron steaks. Top five finish in uh, ribs, chicken, pork shoulder, and brisket. And a top three cat- top three finish in three of those four categories. That's Just crazy. Seventeen years old, kid killed it, and was the grand champion by what looks to be like uh, one point eight points, six seventy eight point two to six seventy six point four was the difference between uh, grand champion and reserve champion. Wow, pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty impressive for a kid that age. Yeah, you know, I didn't uh, I didn't get a chance to taste any barbecue outside of what we had. At our own booth, I tasted a couple of ones, and they were just close to it, and they had they were not going to win at all. Um, well, I also think too, like I think that in hindsight, much like our episode of Selling Tomatoes, there's a lot to learn. Um, we needed more people to help execute, uh, you know, at the at the booth for the chicken, and also people to help out, kind of just watch our gear at the yes thing. So, you know what? It could be one of those things. It'd be cool, uh, but yeah, it. Uh, 
a lot of things, a lot of things to work on, but I think it's on, it's on, it's in the right direction. Well, before we, uh, uh, by the way, do you know their logo is very Misfits esque? They're like kind of like almost a Crimson Ghost, Grim Reaper style. But who are we talking about? So, uh, the uh, Son of Smoke. Oh yeah, I've seen it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm just looking them up right now. Uh, we should uh, talk about what episode number this is. Seeing as uh, we've it is. like yeah, a we... full like 14 minutes into the show now. Right. Without... <laughs> uh, well, we're still kind of doing the intro. This is we'll we'll fix that in post. Uh, Can we also edit out the sound of all of the boogers and snots running out of my nose and eyeballs? I don't have a filter for that. Oh my god! I don't know what's going a on here. Allergy people. thing going I'm on. I'm having an allergy thing on this side. Maybe I'm allergic to losing in shitty circumstances. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> but uh, fixed events. Yeah, Whoops. man. It, I just uh, just bear with me because it's. I haven't had an allergy like, attack like this since I don't even know when. It's it's a good one right now. It's brutal. I look like hell. You do. I'm not gonna lie. As opposed to the usual. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then also the last thing I will say about the uh, uh, big Q uh, is that I got to meet and actually he stood at my defense as I was being heckled by Broncos fans for wearing my Raiders hat. Mr. Jerry Robinson, former Raider, uh-huh. who was also happened to be he was happened to be a judge, like a celebrity judge, rolled right by and heard these guys talking smack, and uh, came to my defense instantly, introduced himself, uh, and then I was kind of I don't want to say starstruck, but I was just so caught off guard because I was still setting up and all that stuff, and uh, one of my one of my so pals, like, who the fuck are you, man? Get the fuck out of yeah. here! Are you some kind of tough guy? <laughs> But he went over and my buddy went over and talked to him later, and uh, he said he'd come on the podcast. And so we packed up because of the weather. But I'm hoping uh, that I can get him, if, if anything, by the phone. Yeah, he seemed cool. like a cool guy because I gave him, I actually gave him a business card. So we'll see what happens. I'd love to say we'd be able to get his insight on some stuff because we do have some, you know, footballs a month away. I, yeah, I can't I wait. I can't wait for that. I can't wait. People are going to be annoyed about our baseball and basketball talk. Just wait. Well, considering we've talked baseball for like 38 minutes on this show. Just that's 38 more minutes than most people. <laughs> that's not true. How dare you? <laughs> well, let's talk about number 20. As we're talking about number 20 episode, uh, we're going to talk about what we're drinking right now as we discuss number 20. I'm drinking my own snot. phlegm. Snot. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I want to ask how that flavor profile is with this wild sour ale. Uh, so I picked this up again. Uh, literally, it reminded me of uh, the TV show Home Improvement. It's Toolbox Brewing Company, and they're out of, uh, they're in Vista, California, which is, it's still San Diego County, uh, but outside the city limits, but it, uh... Not to be confused with Chula Vista. Correct. It's just a Vista. And not to be confused with Chewy Gomez, who doesn't walk by when we're recording out of the studio. Right. But I wish he would. I really want to be his pal. He doesn't walk by when we're recording here. No. He does at the studio. Yes. He waves. Acknowledges us. Says what's up. Gives us the head nod. We're cool. We got street cred. Uh, so Toolbox Brewing Company out of Vista, California. Uh, pretty cool label, you know, very architect style. Um, you know, the the name is derived, and I will give them this. You know, I like the, the website's neat. It navigates well. That is neat. Um, I don't know why I'm in the word neat all of a sudden. But <laughs> it, um, with it. I like it. I, I'm in. So they. Uh, it looks like it's uh, like a, a brewing coalition almost. They've got... Um, well, they refer to them as members. So there's a founder and a member. Founder, <laughs> member. A um, bunch members. of people. Uh, uh, Spencer, Amanda, Steve, Pam, uh, Aaron. Um, and then it goes into brewers, assistant brewers, down the list, which is cool. I love the acknowledgement of all their employees. It's cool. Uh, but they call it Toolbox. Um, this is the thing. It's kind of cheeky and cheesy. Uh, but they say, you know, the line is, we are a bunch of tools, perhaps... 
Is that how we came up with the name? No. And the name is actually kind of cool, but that line needs to go away. That's silly. Uh, but they grew up in San Diego, um, and that the it's commonly the, the the downtown skyline is referred to as a toolbox. Yes. You can see multiple, you know, Allen wrenches, um, Phillips head screwdriver, all these things in the skyline on the brewery. They see it's a pretty good example of it. But that's you know that's a cool name, uh, and they've got some they've got a lot of blood in in Southern California from San Diego military, things like that, and and it, they seem, you know, there's not really a story on how they met, why they started, things like that. It's just more of a hey, this, we're here now, this is what it is. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's they opened opened up. I don't even know when, but we're drinking, and this is a, considered a seasonal from them. Purple drink, a little homage to my boy Jamarcus Russell, uh, probably. Uh, but this is the description for them is a sour what ale. What number did Jamar- Jamarcus Russell wear? Number two, because he oh. was poo poo. He was doo doo. You're right. Um, sour ale, brewed with boysenberries. Now the label says a wild ale, which kind of like the sound of that. Which obviously, you know, when you say like a wild beer or a wild yeast, you're going to get inconsistencies, so maybe that's a way of just kind of saying, hey, it's going to be more there's going to be more boysenberry. No idea. Yeah. We have no clue what's in this bottle. But, I mean, pouring it out, I mean, you get it is absolutely purple. It is very No, purple. I mean, like, it is mis- unmistakably purple. It almost looks like, you know, the uh, the smoothies, the pre-mixed smoothies you can buy, or even like Jamba Juice stuff, like if you pour, like, let Jamba Juice sit in your car for a couple minutes on a hot day, it kind of starts liquefying. That's what it looks like to me. Uh, really good rose-colored uh, uh, lacing on it, on the head. Um, really good. I mean, the aroma on it, which you can't tell because you got your allergy thing. I mean, you get nice, almost like a a very subtle vinegar uh, smell to it. Very similar, but it's not like not an offensive vinegar smell. It it kind of makes you want to dive in. Summer's Eve. I wouldn't go that far. But it's it's more like if you've ever had like certain kombuchas uh, drink has that vinegar bite to it uh and it's it kind of reminds me of that you know drinking it really hits the palate well really is tart in the back of your jowls does a great job i mean it's 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 a nice this is a great beer um they list the acidity uh which i don't think really references it but i mean i don't need to reference it um it is uh it's considered like an an american wild uh ale 5.5 abv and uh, not coming any ABUs. It's you know, not very bitter. Obviously, this is fruit forward. Things like I that. find it enjoyable. I do too. Pretty cool. I, this is. Uh, I would. This would be like a really good one to try on. You know, the person who says I don't really like beer. I don't like something. I give them something. This is going to have a good flavor to it. It's going to have. Uh, you know, obviously, if you don't like fruit beers, then then I would not recommend it. But really, for. Something that's light and easy on a hot day, which it was hot today. Uh, it's hot really, today. it's really good. So, Toolbox Brewing Company. Look for photos on social media. Speaking of social media, don't forget Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Untapped, that's Gmail. It. No, no Tinder. No Tinder. No Grinder. No Grinder. No, no J Date. <laughs> no uh, Pokemon Go. No. Oh, but. You want to hear something funny today? Uh, I would like to hear something. I will decide if it is funny or not myself. Thank you. Uh, today, in lunch in in your establishment earlier. Excellent. Uh, with a couple guys from Anchor Brewing and another uh, guy from my work. And he's talking about how his kids play it. And they like it. They go outside on walks and the kids find stuff. 
he opens up the app in your restaurant. You have a Pokemon Go character in your restaurant. Oh, is that right? Yeah. It's uh. So I would, I would, I was thinking. I'm gonna post- barbecue that shit. I was thinking of posting a sign on the outside saying Pokemon No, <laughs> <laughs> and having the you know the Pokemon character with the line through it and see how would that get you. But no, it'd be a terrible idea. There's gonna be yeah that I didn't want to give that that subject any more attention than it's already gotten. Although I have seen some funny things of like wow people have been sitting on their fat asses crushing fake candy for five years now all of a sudden Pokemon Go makes people go outside everyone's losing their minds. Yeah. <laughs> Silly. All right. Number Episode 20. Number 20. Number 20. Number 20. It begins and ends with one guy, really. Yes. I try to go through and try and be like as objective as I could be when I looked at these athletes. But it's Barry Sanders. There's some, there's some good honorable mentions. It's uh, Barry Sanders. Absolutely. It's not Gary Payton. It's not Frank Robinson. It's Barry Sanders. That's it. I would say probably one of the best-known players Without a uh, playoff without, win, yeah, without a Super Bowl ring, playoff win. I mean, God, he was he was surrounded by such dog shit for so many years, and for someone to spend their entire career there, it, it you know it's it, this is it to me it's very much like Dan Marino, you know, in the Dolphins where he never got a ring. At least he got a playoff win, but he never got a not a ring, never got a ring out of it. But man, he just this guy was unbelievable still to this day. The way, you know, his backfield dance moves, his the way he did and he just juked everybody. Amazing to watch. Unbelievable. I mean, he's uh chime in, please, Brad. We Tell have me. this argument uh in the restaurant in some of the restaurants uh fairly regularly and one of the one of the uh one of the arguments that always breaks out is, you know, where does Barry Sanders rank, you know, uh, in the, you know, pantheon of great running backs? He's one of the greatest ever, but he's not even in my top five. Uh, and the reason for that is because um, if I'm going, even with a great offensive line, um, if I'm going into Lambeau Field or Gillette Stadium or Soldier Field, or even San Francisco, like even Candlestick Park in the early 90s, you know, when they're going, you're, you're going to play on just terrible turf. And you've got to go in there and you you got to take somebody you're going to give the ball to 30 times in a game. Is Barry Sanders going to be your guy? He was forever, though. That's the thing. No, he wasn't. He's got, he's got, here's here are his playoff, here are his playoff, uh, his playoff yards. Uh, first game, 91 against, I'm not, uh, I'm going to have to look who this is. Uh, to look up who this is, uh, but he has uh, one, two, three. Nope, he has two, three, four, five, six. He has six playoff games under his belt, uh, and he goes for fifty yards, sixty-six yards, one hundred and sixty-nine. That's a good one. Negative one. <laughs> I saw that. That's a ninety-four. Forty right? and yeah, ninety-four. Forty and sixty-five. Now yeah. I realize you, that doesn't all go on Barry Sanders. But the reality is, is that Barry Sanders is not a guy that could finish a run. Barry Sanders is not a guy that stiff-armed you. He's not a guy that could take advantage of, like, was able to take advantage of his physicality. I'm not saying that he's not a great running back. I'm not saying that he's not. Yeah, I think that he's well, an amazing athlete. Game changer, yes, but it was he was one of a kind, and he still really is. And how many times did you see him go like, 
oh man, he's twelve yards for ne- or twelve carries for negative two yards. Yeah. And now he's fifteen carries for one hundred and forty yards. Like how many times do you see that in his career? That's yeah. it speaks to how dynamic of a player is. Don't get me wrong. The big joke is always that I hate Barry Sanders because I always argue with people about where he belongs, right? But I would put Adrian Peterson ahead of him now. I would put yes. You know, I I wouldn't put Emmett Smith ahead of him. Because I really? think if you put Barry Sanders behind Dallas's offensive line, oh, good night, Irene. That would have been over. Yeah. When was when did you ever see Emmett Smith finish a run? Right, like really, like lowerish. Besides when he ripped his helmet off and ran into the end zone. Yeah, you know, they had to create a rule because he kept disturbing games. You know, anytime he tried to lower his shoulder and hit somebody, he broke a collarbone with Michael Irvin. Right. So, you know, my point is is that with that offensive line. You know, five Hall of Famers on that offensive line. Right. You're not, you know, you could put anybody back there and they'd be successful. You put a guy like Barry Sanders back there. And I think there's 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 some weight to what you're saying in terms of, like, you know, he was around such dog shit. Yeah. You know, he you're right. He didn't have a very strong supporting cast. Uh, I can't even think who coached him. Wayne Fonts. Yeah. I mean, that's then didn't go to uh, Wayne Fonts. Who was uh, after that? I think Wayne. I think he, was that the the whole, the whole time. His last year was in '98. Wow, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. You look at there's so many similar backs that have like kind of the same story, not the same running style necessarily, but like, you know, like Ricky Waters, Eric Dickerson, Marshall Falk, like these names drop in there that just kind of have this name where I I felt like those guys finished runs. To your point. Like Emmett Smith, you never saw like just like you saw Dion never never really tackled. He didn't yeah. want, he didn't yeah. want to take anybody down. And you know like this would and this type of thing is you know well it speaks to like the the style of offense that they ran and they didn't throw the ball and you know who were his quarterback who were you know who were Barry Sanders quarterbacks Scott Mitchell <laughs> you know it's like you look at some of these quarterbacks but when you look at like where they he was used in the offense you know he averaged you know let's see. Over one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Thirty-five catches a year, roughly, in his career. Right. You know, that's not very many. You know, is he a guy that like is he? A, he so he's not necessarily a third down back. It's tough to say because of just the like you said the crap that they were rolling out alongside of him. And I just think that if you are going to go in to Lambeau Field in January to win an NFC oh, Championship yeah, game yeah. or to try and you know win a Super Bowl, are you taking Barry Sanders with you? And the answer is never. The answer can't be yes if I had this, because you wouldn't say that about Jim Brown or Walter Payton or Gail Sayers or you know or Adrian Peterson or some of these guys. Like, well, I was just going to ask you. So you take Adrian Peterson and Ladainian Tomlinson, because both have very similar styles to Barry Sanders. Yeah, but Adrian Peterson is a punishing runner. Oh well, that's the thing. I think I think Adrian Peterson's speed. Uh, he's not trumps. a dancer. No, well he he can he does. Little bit, he's he's way years. more physical though, dude. Like yeah. you'll see him get like three guys, dra- you know, drag yeah. three guys behind him. Ladainian Tomlinson, you bring up a good point with that one too. And actually, I think Ladainian Tomlinson, for all of Which, his for the record, it pains me to give credit to any Charger. Yeah, right. I realize that. I'm I'm about to actually help you out here. Have I, think, I told you how much I hate Dan Fouts? Yes. Okay. Uh, ever told you the story my, that Dan Fouts broke my dad's hand? I'd like to punch Dan Fouts in the face. So my dad that. went to high school with Dan Fouts. My dad was at St. Ignatius when Dan Fouts was there, and I believe my dad was a year behind. And my dad was running pass routes to try out for the football team, and Dan Fouts threw an out pattern to him. And my dad turned to catch it, and it was on top of him. My dad got his hand up, and it broke his, broke like one of his like bones in his hand. 
just from 25 yards out. That motherfucker. <laughs> Dan Fouts. Horrible, but, horrible quarterback. But I actually horrible think for all the stuff that LaDainian Tomlinson accomplished in that offense and all the ways that Marty Schottenheimer screwed up by only giving him the ball 12 times in an AFC title game, um, I actually think he that he is a little bit on the overrated side. Uh, he had you know some a bad knee-ish in yeah. that one AFC title game against the Patriots a few years or however many years ago that was now. Oh uh, seven. Oh, I'll tell you right now. Oh seven oh eight. Anyway, you know he sat out with his helmet down and everything else, and you've got Philip yeah, Rivers pouting. out there with two bad knees and a bad ankle, still, still trying to make a go of it. You know, when you talk about physical runners, Ladanian's not a physical runner really. And like, oh, all the touchdowns, all the touchdowns. Sure, the guy. You know, it's like Marcus Allen too. It's like the guy just has a wave to get into the end zone. But right. You know. Is he the guy that you're giving the ball to four downs in a row to get you four yards of carry and get the first down every time? Well, here's the playoff rushing and receiving right here for, for Ladanian. Uh, 2004, 26 for 80 yards. 2006, best appearance, 23 for 123. Then 30 for 75, 5 for 25, 12 for 24, and 35 for 141. That 12 for 24 is the one that I'm talking right, about. What exactly. year was, what year was 2009. that? 2009. 2009. Yeah. So how do you? That was how, his last year as a tra- yeah, charger, and, and he was the best running back in football that year. How do you? How does the best running back in football get the ball 12 times in a title game? Right. It's ridiculous. But you know, I, it's Barry Sanders is amazing. He's a top 10 running back, top seven. You know, and you, I, I could be convinced that he's top five. But I just I, not in your top five. I could come up with five guys that I would take before him because when you come down to the running back position, so much of it is like your ability to just move the ball in the trenches. Right. And. He is a very skilled athlete, fast, elusive, but like I said, he's not a physical runner. He's not going to drag guys if the footing's not good. You know, you put him in Lambeau Field 16 times a year, put him behind on a Green Bay team, for example, or on a Chicago team, and not on the turf where the footing's always good eight times a year. Right. You know, what does he do in his career? I, he's probably still a great running back. I'm just, I'm telling you. I think you, he's probably got more jacked up knees. Because of him playing, because yeah, of playing I, on yeah. the turf? Well, I'd say a little bit of both. I think that. Uh, because of the turf, turf, you know, falling on the turf is going to jack him up. But also, too, uh, you know, if you played in in grass all the time, you're gonna you're more susceptible to to slips and fall because the footing. It's like your, your footing isn't always right. Right. Well, and you you know you're not able to push off quite as much, and right. you know, the turf's awful for you. So yeah, you're right. I, like I said, tremendous. I mean, the best number twenty of all the professional athletes there's been. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, much love to Gary Payton. Straight out of Oakland, the glove. <laughs> but uh, he's just not on DeRay Sanders' level. Let's no. just others to it. Awesome. Well, let's take a quick break. i got to pour out uh, some beer for my homies. We'll try this next beer. I'm going to get some of these boogers out. Oh, you got to do that, too. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Sports Beats Beer. All right, welcome back. Sports meets beer. beer. I don't do it as good as you do. That's all right. Can't That's do right. We'll keep working on it. I'll work on it. We'll keep my working on it. falsetto. Uh, maybe next time I'll just pinch my testicles or something while I'm doing that. Yeah, as opposed to like the usual thumb in the butt. Like, right. But yeah, just one Little Jack Horner. <laughs> Sitting in the corner doing this podcast while no one knows. <laughs> uh, last night, Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Uh, if it fell in the well, forest, last night, this is actually Friday, right? So it's Friday now. We're recording on Wednesday night. 
Uh, so this yeah, is Tuesday. do the math. Look at a calendar. Figure it out. Luckily, uh, there will be have been no baseball between now and then anyway, so it may as well have been last night for these people. <laughs> um, I... I like, I love baseball. Baseball is my first true love as a sport. Um, but I, the major league, the all-star game, all-star games in general, we've talked about this on the show. I don't typically get off on them, but I do think that the uh, major league all-star game, major league baseball all-star game is the best one in that it is the closest to actual gameplay that you can get. It is impossible to Agreed. not have a guy throw 96 miles an hour. You're not going to not swing hard. You know, where like you might not go sliding into second with your cleats up, that, that kind of stuff. There's no opportunity. Like you're not gonna like let a ground ball go by you, right? Like where like you watch like the, nobody tackles in the Pro Bowl and the NBA All Star Game. Nobody plays any defense in the last four minutes of the game. The, the, right. the game of baseball doesn't really lend itself to that. So it's actually better for exhibition in many ways than those other sports. And you know, Tuesday night's game was not a disappointment. It was you know fairly well played. They had good pitching, a couple home runs. You know, it was it didn't take like a painfully long time to play out, which sometimes they do. Um, well, that's usually isn't that attributed to just rotating guys in, making sure yeah. everyone gets kind of a fair shot. And yeah, and now the teams are not quite so sensitive to that kind of stuff, and they're like, well, we're you know, if our pitcher gets in, awesome. If not, we'd rather just have him throw a bullpen session anyway. You know, like as a Giants fan, I can sure tell you, like. You know, I I didn't love watching Johnny Cueto get lit up in the first inning. It doesn't mean anything. And I think, you know, he's not throwing out his whole wide array of pitching and everything else. But, boy, if the Giants have to meet the Royals in the World Series again, you know, (laughs) Hosmer and Perez took them deep. So that's tough. But um, the one thing that really struck me in the All-Star game, and I'm interested to hear your thought about this, you know, uh, being in the Bay Area with the Bonds and the Giambis and the Tejadas and the, you know, the a real really is kind of a tough one because nobody really knows. But the Santiago's and the Marvin Bernards and all those guys. How do, I can't watch David Ortiz is one of my favorite players ever. I just I think he's a like his personality is awesome for baseball. You know the he's things a he, lovable character. Yeah, the the things he's accomplished for the city of Boston and for the Red Sox organization have been awesome. I can't help but watch him have like you know arguably the best season of his career at forty years old and not immediately think juicer. Well, I mean, that's you. You said it right there. You're having the best, the best year peaking at forty. And there are some. I, I, a buddy of mine. Just think about that, though. You're peaking at forty. Yeah, the general manager here at our restaurant here in Healdsburg, who's a diehard Red Sox fan, said it's not his best season ever. They go, well, okay, fine. He's got one more season that's better. Like you know, the the reality is, is that even if it's top three, yeah, he's 40. forty years old. Yeah, and uh, you know, Coito was getting in under his hands in his at bat yesterday. On Tuesday, and he was fouling him straight back and kind of hitting balls down the line. I can remember in the World Series two years ago, that ball gets in underneath his hands. He can't get it. And so now two years later, at 40 years old, he's always, all of a sudden able to catch back up to that pitch. I don't know. It's unfortunate because that's, that's the, the game has done that to us. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And it's dude. one of those things where, you know, what used to be such a – you know, oh man, like you know, it's always like the Mark McGuire, right? So he leaves the A's, and all of a sudden, just becomes an incredible Hulk shredded. You know, it's like, come on, dude, like you weren't that big in Oakland, and he's just a monster in St. Louis. Yeah, but I mean, he was juicing in Oakland. He started juicing with Seiko in Oakland. Oh, absolutely, he started. But I mean, he went from yeah. level four to ten 
Well, because he couldn't DH, so he had to play the field more, right? right. He played first base more. So the, the whole idea, a lot of these guys, like, they got into it to get big, and then they needed to stay on them so that they could recover from the grind. A bit. I don't want to get into a big steroid thing here. The point is... No, we'll, we'll tackle that at some at point, some but, point. but I, I, I agree with you. It looks like... It just bums me he's out. He's got some... There's definitely enhancements of some sorts. It bums me out, and I know that it's going to come out later because the testing isn't up with the drugs. And it's going to come out five years from now, three years from now. He's going to be out. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame, and someone's going to come forward... And it's going to be after he gets into the Hall of Fame, because like sh- you don't think you don't think it's going to be right before. No, because Clemens was a dick, so <laughs> Clemens <laughs> was a dick, it, yeah. and so somebody wanted to get him right. And when Bonds was sort of left out of the game, right when you know when he sort of left out, the writers were like, "Eh, screw him." The you know the baseball was like, "We don't really want to deal with this circus anymore." And then it you know it, like there was never this sort of like closing moment, you know, to go on to the next chapter. It never really closed out, and so it just kind of perpetuated. You know the story and right. you know all the usage and the perjury and all these other things. You know, we're, we're, with Clemens, he clearly retired. He, there was clearly a trial. He clearly perjured himself. You know, there was all these things, and the guy came out before he ever got in the Hall of Fame. David Ortiz is such a lovable character who has a positive test, by the way. He ha- he's tested positive for steroid for performance enhancing drugs once already in his career. Really, and this is not. It's not coming up now, or it is. I shouldn't say that. It's coming up, just not very loudly, right? Well, I mean, that, that speaks to again. It's like you said, the personality. This guy's a lovable guy. He's uh, he's kind of like I think he's what pa- what Panda wanted to be, what Sandoval wanted to be as, yeah. far as an icon. Uh, and everyone loves Panda too. But at the same time, it's like this guy is again like he, he's always smiling. He's doing good things, and you kind of forget about that blemish. I grew up in San Jose, California. I lived in New York for less than a year. I lived in Japan for four years, um, Tokyo, Japan for four years. Um, nothing like gets got, has ever gotten me like fired up with like civic pride, really. Like, yeah, fuck yeah, San Jose, brr. Like, but when after the Boston Marathon bombing happened, and David Ortiz got up at Fenway Park and said, got gave his little like speech, like go get him speech, and said at the end of it. Uh, we're not going to let this stand. This is our fucking city in front of everybody. Remember, there was all the the hubbub about, ooh, he said fuck. Yeah. Like, I remember thinking, yeah, it is your fucking city, man. You don't let him do that to you. Like, I remember, like, he got me fired (laughs) up for the city of Boston. Yeah. And ever since then, I mean, I've even back in 04 when they came back and they beat the Yankees, they were down three games to nothing. Yeah, yeah, They came back and won. Um, You know, I... uh, even then, like just the things that he accomplished and how much, just how sort of gregarious and how charismatic he is. I don't know. I've always kind of admired him from afar, really. And then I'm watching this last night, and I go, you know what, man? Like, there's just no way that there's just no way that I will ever be able to shake this from my mind. Like, and baseball has done that to us as fans, right? right. You can't not think that anymore because everything about baseball is so unnatural from a movement standpoint, right? Right, and it's you know, I could see a player getting hot and having a hot run. Um, you know, they change their workout, they change their regimen, whatever the case may be. But we, the glaring—I mean, he, him, and I are the almost the same age. I'm a, I'm yeah. a few months older than him. That's ridiculous <laughs> to still be playing at that level. I don't care. I don't care how much you train. And the DH helps a lot because he doesn't have to play in the field. Right, but still, still, no, I'm with you, dude. That's crazy. I'm with you. I mean, let's look. I at, hope I'm wrong. I'd like. I to, hope I'd I'm like wrong. to pull up lists of other forty-year-old athletes. That we're playing, you know, playing at forty, and I, I can think of like off the top of my head is like Vince Evans, right, quarterback. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can think of. 
I was going to say Lance Armstrong, but that's a bad doping example. <laughs> uh, Daryl Green. Okay. Daryl Green, cornerback for the Washington Redskins for a long time. But, I mean, um, I'd, love to, I'd love, you know, we could probably, that's something we could circle back and go over. But, it, like, to say to play at that level, that consistently, it's pretty impressive. And, unfortunately, it, it leads you to question. You ha- Yeah, you, ha- you have to. Right. You have to. So, so this is your definitive moment. You're going to be, what, three or four years from now? Everyone, I told you so. I told you so. You it's on a podcast. I hope not, man. You Google I, it. You got to go through seven different web pages to find some of our links and our old shows <laughs> yeah. that you can't find now because they're archived and we didn't pay enough money to host them. But they're there. You uh, can see transcripts. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. Baseball just has this like ch- you know this, this childhood love for me, and I just I hate that it's made me Tainted. such a cynic. But yeah, it's, yeah. Th- um, but you know what though? I think every sport's becoming that way. I think there's I mean, you got you yeah. know not to get, get on a soapbox, but and you got a guy as talented as Von Miller wanting to sit out over guaranteed money, sit out for a full year. That whole that's crazy. You're playing at your peak. I don't care. I, that that yeah, but you insane. know what though, man, is that like I actually don't fault him. I don't fault him for that because the NA. I felt, actually I fault the Broncos. I I like the fact that he took a stand and he made it very clear. This is what it is. It's their job to sign him as their star player. And this whole thing, it's all about negotiation. It's this, that. And I get it. Like, if you can get it for a dollar less than it said it costs, right, then you feel like you got value. I, I understand what they're doing. The NFL Players Association gets screwed in every collective bargaining agreement. They have the worst union reps <laughs> because they, have, they play the most violent sport with the shortest lifespan. They get the least amount of guaranteed money. Right. There's almost no guaranteed money. Which, from the NFL's perspective... Be, remember, he uh, used to be vested five years, six years. Remember, I, we texted yeah, yeah. that guy that yeah. I know in the NFL. Why, you know, why do you... Why do you... From the NFL's perspective, why would I guarantee money for a guy on a five-year contract when the average life of that contract is only three years anyway, or right. 2.8 years anyway? I understand what the NFL's trying to do, but it, I also mean... I also understand, like, if you were, like, at the top of your game, one of the, the big dogs in the league, why right. you would hold out for the dollars, too. I don't, I don't fault him for that at all. No, but it's it's just one of those things where I, I would if I were the Broncos, I'd have been like, Well, we're gonna do this franchise thing and he'll go, you know, um, no. And the Broncos Oh, we were just kidding anyway. Here you go. Like yeah. I I would you have to cough it up. Yeah. You know, you saved all that money on a freaking quarterback. Yeah, no kidding. Sanchez cost you a, a nickel and a sack of big league chew. Well, that's just it though. I mean, if you're the Broncos if you're the Broncos, you gotta have you gotta have a training star somewhere. You look well, yeah, that. But it's either. like, are you gonna tie up all that money in your salary cap to a rush end? Do you have you know, in your your most expensive position as quarterback, and you don't have an answer for that for the long term? Right. It's tough, dude. It's tough. Oh, more things to talk about for this upcoming football season. Yeah. Um, hey, before uh, one thing, I know you wanted to talk about um, after the uh, the All Star game was some of these uh, these unwritten rules of baseball. Before we get into the rules, unwritten rules of baseball. Uh, we're going to talk real quick about the beer we're sipping on as we talk about this. Um, I went local on this one. Okay. I was at a local supermarket that rhymes with uh, Tolliver's. I'm a big fan of this brewery. I like their beer. Um, you know, it's funny. I did not like them initially, and I'll tell you why. It's not because of the beer. Their posted hours on their tap room were listed for so long, and every time I went there, it was closed for the long, like when they first started. I get it. They're a startup. Can't always follow the posted hours, but like three times in a row. Yeah, that's bad. Like within an hour. Like supposed to be open at three. It's four o'clock and there's nobody there. Doors are locked. This just seems odd. It's not like it's on a Tuesday. 
Right. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, This is uh, Fog Belt Brewing, Santa Rosa, California. Uh, these guys are kind of like the up and comer. If you're, I'm going to throw some, you know, obviously the beer is solid. You talk about established breweries. You know, we don't need to mention uh, Russian River. Those guys, but there's some really good guys coming up. You know, Plow is starting to make a name for themselves. Uh, Fog Belt's doing great. I'm hearing a lot of good things out of Brew Brothers in Windsor, which we got to still go talk to those guys. We got to yes, go we talk do. to them. Um, but Fog Belt has has kind of snuck under the radar. Uh, they've worked really hard, which is crazy because I think the beer is awesome. I I, I agree. Um, so this is, uh, you know, if you want to check it out, it's fogbeltbrewing.com. Uh, if you go to the About tab, I mean, these guys have really only been founded in 20, since 2013. Uh, and, and they took the name from uh, the, area, the area of the North California coast where the redwood trees grow, and there is like a bank of fog. It sits like a wall, and there's some great, amazing pictures uh, if you Google a fog belt. Uh, Scott, Paul and Remy, uh, they're Sonoma County locals. Started, uh, they, they actually started wine, their wine guys. When they, you know, the, the, the adage, if, and some of you might have not heard this, Brad and I have heard it probably a million times, uh, but it takes a lot of beer to make good wine. And yeah. that's something that you see more and more is that a lot of the brewers coming out now are, are from the wine schools and in there. This is like the beer becomes their side project. Um, it allows them to do something that's now considered acceptable when, you know, 15 years ago you kind of got frowned and. You know, they look down on you if you're doing uh, doing beer and you're a wine guy. Like, why would you waste your time? Uh, but these guys are doing. They're they're holding their own. I like them. They're still self distributed. Uh, we've talked about that in previous episodes. The kind of pros and cons of that. Got a cool tasting room off Cleveland Avenue. Uh, I picked up the Del Norte IPA. Uh, the Del Norte uh, is no relation to Del Monte. Uh, the Del Norte is actually a redwood tree. It's like the third or fourth largest redwood tree um, in our area. And this is just a standard IPA, uh, hop-driven, with aromas of pineapple and citrus, and a malty finish. This is their description, not mine. I do. It's crazy. You know, we've talked about, you know, the the power of suggestion. I to, I get total pineapple out of this. You probably get nasal spray and phlegm. Actually, I'm feeling much better. Thank you very oh, much really? for sharing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That nose, that nose spray did work. It did. I am feeling much, much better. Cool. All right. He's back, everybody. He's I get, back. I get really bright pine and spruce in this thing. Um, yeah, I do get the pineapple. Um, you know, the I, I wish it had a, a touch more carbonation. We have, That's kind of a common theme for us, I think. I don't, and I, well, I don't know if it's, this is also a byproduct of, it's a little bit, it's not, it's not necessarily cold. Um, and I feel like because it's a little warmer, what happened is we poured it out a little more aggressively. Um, the head then dissipates, CO2 goes, escapes the atmosphere, and it kind of pancakes out. Maybe that's my problem from pouring a ambient temperature beer into a you know lukewarm glass. Right. Um, but it really opened up. Um, really, really cool. I mean, it's this is a good beer. Seven seven percent, seventy IPUs. Uh, I mean, this is. Uh, this is along the lines. I mean, that's like almost the same uh, makeup as like Sierra Hop Hunter uh, IPA. Yep. Uh, similar, a little more alcohol for Lagunitas, but this is a really good beer. I mean, this is this to me would be an amazing like a really good like table beer at a restaurant. This is something that you offer that's really good. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily. I think it's too good to kind of pimp out on happy hour, right? If that makes sense, like yes. you kind of want to keep it like, hey, this is. This is local. Let's not discount it too much, but at the same time, like it's it's really good. I'm I'm curious. I want to try some of the other stuff, and maybe we can uh, swing by there and talk to them and let us do a little. Try to use our media badges that we have. Oh wait, we don't have those yet. <laughs> we should totally get them though. 
I would love to go there and check it out and talk to them. Just get, you know, quick interview with them, maybe take 30 minutes of their time. If you're listening. Two, hour, two hours of me setting up. <laughs> we're going to tell, well, we'll tag them on Instagram, that's for sure, and we'll see if they uh, follow us back, and then we'll follow up with, hey, we're friends on social media. Let's be friends It only st- It only stands to reason. <laughs> so, yeah, the good guys, uh, I think you check it out. The beer's really good, uh, for, especially for an IPA. Uh, and then we will uh, we'll talk about we have a third beer on the docket today. Uh, we'll get to that in a few moments. Uh, unwritten rules of baseball. San Francisco Giants closed the uh, proverbial first half of the season against the Arizona Diamondbacks on Sunday. Um, and in that game, Madison Bumgarner took a no-hitter into the, I believe, seventh inning. Um, no, eighth inning. He took a no-hitter into the eighth inning. Uh, he gave up a hit to uh, Jeremy Lamb, young slugger for the Diamondbacks. Good hitter, good player. Um, Bumgarner was getting guys out with a curveball. He hung a slider there. I, I you know, hard to get mad at a guy that ended up with 15 Ks and a one-hit shutout, right? right? Um, but uh, I immediately texted a buddy of mine as it was getting into like the seventh inning, eighth inning, and all I said was, "Are you watching this?" That's all I said was, and literally, less than a minute later. Bumgarner gives up the hit, and I was chastised all the remainder of the week. How could you jinx, you know, jinx the the no no, all this stuff, and and uh, it kind of made me roll my eyes because you know I understand superstition in baseball and superstition in all sports. Hockey players are the worst. Oh God, they're superstitions. But Aiden Labat will tell you that. Yeah, um, you know there are certain things that I I you know I am totally superstitious of. I have my I always wear my well until I had to retire it, but I always wore my. Home Jerry Rice jersey when the 49ers were at home, and I wore right. my away Patrick Willis jersey when they were on the road. Respectable. You know, just have little superstitions like that. We all have those, and you know, uh, but people could take them too far at times. And I think me asking my buddy if he was watching this, um, you know, uh, that's so I'm, not. I'm that suggesting get, your friend is, is shaming you and saying that you're. You I jinxed it. Yeah, no. I jinxed it. That's the crazy. unwritten rule is you don't talk about a no hitter. You know, once it gets past the fifth inning, you don't talk about a no hitter. Um, let me you know, ex- let me explain shame. the sports jinx. So as a the winding seconds of a football game go, and it's a tied game, and the kicker lines up, and the announcers say he's never missed from forty five feet or forty five uh, yards. yards out. Yeah, or whatever. Right, jinx. He owes me a coke. It's out the. It's off to the side. Shanks it every time. Every time. So uh, it got me thinking. Um, this is a topic that we wanted to talk about for a while. Yes, um, months ago. Yeah, I, so uh, Bryce Harper at the beginning of the season had a T-shirt during spring training that I thought was hilarious, and it said, Make Baseball Fun Again. Um, and what that really is referring to is some of the, you know, the stuffy behavior that exists, some of the old man get off my lawn behavior and, you know, sort of unwritten rules that exist right? Um, that baseball has. And, and you know, Without getting off too much of a tangent, you know, baseball has a little bit of an identity crisis right now in that it's losing its, like, younger fan base. You know, when you have, you know, basketball games are done in two hours. Um, You know, football runs a long time, but, you know, it's uh, once a week. So you can cut out three and a half or four hours a game if you only have to do it once a week. Right. Baseball games are running three hours five to six times a week. You know, there are a lot of things. You know, the demographics are changing um, you know, baseball's hold on the, the youth of America is dipping. And there's a lot of things going on with that. But one of the things people say is that it's a slow sport. It's hard for people to follow. Um, and my answer to that is I don't care. 
<laughs> but I do care because the, the growth of the sport is important. I want my kids to be into it and all that. So right. anyway, one of the things that you know somebody like Bryce Harper says is that um, you know, you know, it's it's some of the joy. It's a kids' game, and some of the joy has been you know has never been allowed to be in it. Um, and so I thought, well, that's interesting. We should examine that. And so that's what we're going to do here. You know, there's not going to be any baseball for a couple more days. Um, you know, they'll start again on Friday. But you know, some of the unwritten rules of baseball and and uh, and what we kind of some genu- like genuine reaction to some of these things. Some of these things are pretty silly. This is based on Yahoo, based on Bleacher Report, and based on ESPN and uh, okay. MLB Network. I've kind of compiled a list of of certain things. And and you know, going into this, that I'm a like a mediocre baseball fan right i watch it i know it i know the players but i'm not as passionate as say you um so i'm interested to see some of these things because i i I think i know some but i probably don't know as many as there are out there you're gonna know most of these because some of this other stuff that's like you know i'm leaving some of this stuff out that i think is like are these like obvious things like you know don't shit where you eat don't depend the company kind kind of kind of some of the like the more like esoteric type things i'm leaving out just because they're not really they're not really unwritten rules. It's just common sense type stuff. Like, gotcha. don't steal third with two outs. Well, yeah, because you're already in scoring position. That's not an unwritten rule. That's just not being an That's idiot. That's common sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So uh, if a pitcher hits a teammate, you uh, must hit one of their teammates. That, um, I, that I know about. Yeah. And my reaction to that is um, no. <laughs> if he hits your guy on purpose, um, then you beat the hell out of him by dr- scoring 15 runs. Um the way that Major League Baseball suspends now and the way all that stuff happens, you know, the, the good old days of baseball justice and all that <laughs> crap, that stuff's dead and gone, um, you know. And the, 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 there are only a few teams that still legitimately throw at guys on purpose. And it's like the it's kid, few and far between now. It's but the Royals. It happens, it's the Royals, the Diamondbacks. There's the benches and, both times. Yeah. It's pretty stupid. Um, but this idea of like. Yeah, but there's a part of me that kind of likes it. Yeah, but baseball fights are the worst because nothing happens. Well, just everybody runs out and stands at, stares at each other. Although the Texas Rangers considering was pretty one. solid. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, just the whole idea of th- these are you. So many guys are stepping over the mound. They're throwing a hundred miles an hour now. Oh yeah, and you're you have a weapon in your hand, and you're going to throw at somebody. Like, I don't know. I, it just that whole thing. It just seems bush league to me. Just get the guy out. How's that? Just right. get the guy out. Um, the next unwritten rule after that. Wait for this thing to kind of load. Uh, don't stand too long and admire a home run, um, which I'm going to go and include. Don't flip the bat, right? The bat. Oh, flip the is bat the, flip. The bat flip is part of the, the deal. Um, Bleacher Report here says um, when you hit a home run, you're supposed to act like you've hit it before, especially since that's almost always the case anyway. Um, if it's a slight stare and your Albert Pujols, generally that can slide. If you're watching it without even running the bases, it's not only disrespectful but stupid since you don't really know if the ball is going to leave the park. Um, you know, there is a certain amount of showboating that I can tolerate for that. Um, the bat flip and all that stuff, like, you know, this is old news now, but the uh, Joey Bats, the Jose Batista, yeah. flipped the bat in the you know divisional series against the Rangers last year. It's an emotional moment. The guy's been in the league forever. He's never been in the playoffs. He hit the ball 450 feet or whatever it was. I mean, he absolutely smashed that ball. Crushed it. You know, it's been an emotional inning. You know, he throws the bat. He doesn't look anywhere near the Rangers. He throws it in their kind of general direction. Um, and then he runs the bases. It's an emotional thing. Baseball is not a sport that is devo- devoid of emotion. Um, you know, now, if he stood there and watched it and then kind of did like some, 
you know, taunting, like kind of taunted and yelled at the pitcher and did that kind of thing. Nah, it's pretty stupid. And if you hit like, a, if you're a dude that you know, it's like the third inning of the fifth game of the year, and you're a five year major league veteran who has a few home runs under his belt, and you act like that, yeah, that's pretty stupid. But you, I, baseball just has this funny way of trying to eliminate emotion out of all of the sport, um, you know. And I don't. It's so it's in your lame. case, bat flip. No, in this case, acceptable. Oh yeah, no, totally acceptable. I think right. you know, read the room. I, I don't think that this is a black or white issue. Um, you know, if you hit the, and you know the other thing too is that if you hit the ball and you stand there like you hit it five hundred feet, and then it sneaks over the wall, you look like an idiot. So do it at your own risk. Yeah. And then the other thing is, listen. These are big league hitter. These are big league pitchers that are getting paid millions of dollars to get me out, right? I am a big league hitter that is getting paid millions of dollars, getting paid millions of dollars to you know hit the ball as far as I can. As a restaurateur, or as a line cook, or as a bartender, or whatever, it, it's my job to make drinks, or it's my job to you know grill burgers. We'll say right. If I have, you know, a ticket with nineteen burgers come up. And they're all different cook temps, and I get them all out, and they all go out the right temperature, and they're all perfect. I'm going to celebrate. Am I not allowed? Even though that's my, because that's my job. Right. No, that's a difficult task. So taking a major league ball, major league pitcher deep is a difficult task. So you're allowed to celebrate that. Just do it in kind. Like I said, it's the fourth game in the month of April, and it's the third inning, and you hit a two-run homer, down four runs. Right. You know, maybe that's not the time. Not the time nor place. Yeah. So just, I mean, really, at that point, I think that's, I mean, it almost should be anything that's got postseason written on it. So whether it's you're going, like wild card games, things like that, like I think the bat flip is one of those things. As long as you're not, like, t- looking at their team and taunting them and trying to get them fired up. It's a personal victory. It's just like beating your chest, you know, hand on your chest. I totally agree with you. And if you know, if you want to like bark at the guy and yell at him or whatever, fine. Like, hey, get you know, get moving. Don't stare at it, whatever. But if you're the pitcher, that does not warrant you going out and hit, throwing one into his rib cage. No, or throwing one at his chin. Because you know what? If you didn't hang the fucking slider the first time, you wouldn't be in this predicament, right? <laughs> this whole idea of being professional. Like, yeah, be professional. Take failure like a man. By the way, this this conversation is absolutely gonna be killing brian wheatley yeah i know he's gonna be like talking back at us in his car and so here's so here's what <laughs> here's the thing that i actually i'm gonna you know considering the um sensitive times we are in it might be a little bit of a powder keg but um it's racially driven this idea you watch korean baseball or you watch latin american baseball and this idea of like flair in the game big bat flips and the you know these guys run with the one flap down and the you know like any kind of showmanship that exists exists in like foreign leagues. So if you watch the World Baseball Classic, that stuff goes on all over the place, and the fans have the whistles and the drums, and they're, yeah. there's a whole you know they're singing songs, they're doing all this stuff. That doesn't happen in the white man's American baseball. And so there's this idea of like people don't like it because it's not their usual like buttoned up, you know, like you know they're they're buttoned up stuffy, you know, Bryce Harper or Mike Trout. He gets up and he runs, but like if he really gets a hold of one, he'll take three steps and then go. Nobody says anything about it. Bryce Harper, if he really clobbers one, nobody really says anything. And he kind of watches it for a second. Nobody yeah. says anything about it, right? Jose Bautista hits one and flips his bat. And now that's a bad. That might be a bad example because of how dramatic that bat bat flip. That was, was. a that was a magnificent bat flip. But you know, you it's that. just it's just one of those things. I, I think it just <laughs> for whatever reason, you know, baseball has this good old boy network that's still like lives within it and kind of supports it and it's still this you know this old american pastime and people have a hard time with the showmanship of it because it just signifies that you know another changing of the guard really 
Um, but anyway, on to lighter notes, I think. Um, you know, um, Here's a good one. Uh, don't step in the batter's box while the pitcher is warming up. That's pretty weak. Yeah, He's that's, trying to, but that's it, common sense. You get hit in the head. Right. Yeah, you get hit in the head for that one. Uh, let's see. That one's stupid. That one's stupid. Uh, this, okay, here's an interesting one. So you have, uh, you're, you know, the leadoff hitter for, uh, you know, the whoever. I don't know, Oakland A's, right? And you are getting no hit because your team is terrible. And it's the seventh inning of the no hitter, and you come up for your third time in the lineup. And you decide that you're going to try and break up this no hitter by laying down a bunt. Now, the unwritten rules of baseball say that that is complete Bush League, and you don't do that. Your thought is. Uh, God, that's that's tough because you want to respect the no no, but at the same time, you know, I, 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 w- I would say not. I would say not. That's, that's say not uh, what? Not you yeah, shouldn't do that. No, you should not do that. That's that's pretty. It's pretty childish because you're basically just you're kind of giving the guy the middle finger, like, hey, you know what? I mean, stats are stats. Um, I think it's you know I think as the game progresses, like if you did that in the. Fifth inning, I don't even want to say a word about right, it. Right, right. You do it six, seven, ninth inning, yeah. six, seven, eight. You're in trouble. But you're here's gonna, another thing. Here's another thing. Like, uh, you know, it's not like it's not like laying down a bunt is easy. No, it's it's incredibly difficult. And also, like, it's not like laying down a bunt makes you like a 500 hitter because if it was, more guys would do it, right? right. So there's this machismo thing that's involved with why guys don't do it because I think you could be more successful. But the other thing is like, if you know, I understand, like, you know, you want to beat him like a man or whatever the hell you want to do, right? But, <laughs> like, you can't – I think it's kind of weak, too, if you're going to try and lay down a bunt to break up the no-hitter. But I also – if there's postseason, you know, implications associated with it, then, yeah, you should do whatever you can to get the, get on base. Right. And, because and at the end of the day, it's all about World Series. It's not about titles. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, records. Yeah. But this idea of, like, Stats. oh – Oh man, you know that that little guy. He just he laid down a bun. I've got a no hitter going. He tried to lay down a bun. I'm gonna put one in his ribs. That's not why is that so bushly? He's trying to beat you. Right. Who cares? It's a game. Who cares? Like the idea of like at any time in this at any time in a game, even if they're like especially when there's like a not a no hitter going right. But like guys are expected like oh man, you got to just step into one, take one for the team. That's not bush league, really. Like yeah. that's not different. I just another one of those things like. These goofy unwritten rules, I just I don't understand it. It's weak, but I, I, it's not like a violation of some crazy code. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's see. I agree. I think that's, yeah. It's that's a stupid one. <laughs> oh, here's a funny one. Uh, if you don't rub, don't rub the spot where you just got hit by a pitch. That's like an unwritten rule in baseball. You never do that. You get hit in the chin, you don't rub your chin. <laughs> or you get hit in your arm, you don't like you don't touch your arm. That's like a manly thing. I think that's all right. Like no one's gonna drill you for doing that. <laughs> like oh, you got hit in the arm. You want to draw attention to it? I'll hit you again next yeah. time. Pretty stupid. <laughs> uh, pitchers pulled from the game must stay in the dugout until at least the inning is done. I actually think that's a pretty good rule. Like yeah. baseball is such like a you know teams that win are always like oh the team chemistry the team chemistry but it has a baseball it's it's easy to fall into the trap of like just being a professional and just getting yours done right like you get pulled from the game it's easy to just go right into the shower cuz the showers cuz these guys are going to focus on picking you up right? right but there's a team morale thing like just hang around the dugout root on the, the reliever that's taken over for your spot you know root on your teammates like until the bottom of the inning you know th- 
I don't think that this is an issue quite as much as it used to be, but I think for a while there, back in the day, like in the beginning of free agency and all that, I think these guys, they just... They were just all about collecting a paycheck, so they're like, "Well, I'm just going to go down and well, grabbing a check." And there was also a lot of prima donnas. Oh yeah, I feel like the uh, the 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 role of a pitcher has changed dramatically, and there's not. I mean, there's still some ego, not as much as there was in the uh, you know late '80s and '90s. Um, uh, here's another one. Uh, here's one that will definitely get you hit. I've actually seen that happen. Um, don't swing at the first pitch after back-to-back home runs. Apparently, according to Yahoo, this is a matter of courtesy. Respect for a pitcher who is clearly struggling, offering just a sliver of daylight with which to regain his senses. When Yankees rookie Chase Wright gave up back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back home runs against Boston in 07, the guys who hit numbers 3 and 4, Mike Lowell and Jason Veritek, each watched a pitch before taking a cut. Uh, let him know, okay, I'm not swimming, says Hal McRae. I know you're not you're out there trying to do a job, and I have to do a job, but you just give it up back-to-back home runs, so I take the first pitch. That makes no sense to me. That's stupid. I, I'm getting paid. Like, if just get dudes out. Just get them out. You don't have to worry about any of this. Right. Right? Like, that's a, like, I think what I was kind of learning, like, or realizing right now as I'm reading these things is pitchers can be kind of puss jobs, dude. <laughs> like, I don't understand it, man. Yeah. Uh, don't work the count when your team is up or down by a lot, which uh, that actually, I mean, that makes some sense, right? I mean, it's, you know, you're a professional hitter, like your job is to work the count and to work good at bats and to make things happen. But if you're up eight runs or down eight runs, right? Like, what are you really trying to accomplish there? Right. That's tough though. You, these guys are, are consistently switched on from a competitive standpoint and you're asking oh, yeah. them to switch off. Oh, yeah, Allison, you're, yeah, just check out, go ahead and step up there and pretend like this doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, we just did that one. Uh, this actually is pretty good. There's a rule. It's not really an unwritten, but it's follow the umpire's code when addressing them on the field. Uh, this is a book in itself. How one talks to umpires goes a long way towards getting favorable calls or at least not getting thrown out of a game. That call was horseshit is generally more acceptable than your horseshit. <laughs> Some savvy teams go so far as to post headshots and bios in the clubhouse for the umps working that day's games so that players can butter them up a bit. Still, there are ways to express anger when getting tossed. After umpire Shag Crawford called Dick Grote out on a play at second base, Grote told him, you're still the second best umpire in the league. (laughs) Then he added, (laughs) this is really funny, (laughs) you're still the second best umpire in the league. Then he added, the other 29 umpires were tied for first. (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah, that's clever. That's clever. (laughs) Oh man! And then here's a good one too. And this one is actually like a, te- a like a you know a team bonding thing too. Pitchers should never show up their fielders. So like a second baseman boots a ground ball. A, a, a pitcher should never lose his mind, right? Um, right. You know, a guy boot, botches an outfield play or whatever. Uh, and that actually makes a lot of sense. If you're a young pitcher and you're having some success and you're having a bad infield behind you, there's going to be a time. When you are going to lose your cool, going to walk a batter, and you don't want all your infielders acting like they can't believe you just walked a guy. So maybe you know, just kind of keep that kind of stuff in mind. Um, there's a good story too. You know, so Gaylord Perry, who pitched for a lot of teams, um, was known for the spitball, right? Yeah. Um, uh, one time, so. Gaylord Perry was also, like, notorious for showing up his fielders, right? Um, and one time, uh, shortstop Todd Cruz fielded a ground ball and airmailed it into the stands. 
And Perry kind of lost his mind, did his usual thing, threw his hands up in the air. And when they asked him, when the press asked him after the game what happened, uh, you know, Gaylord Perry seemed pretty upset. Uh, Todd Cruz apparently said um, there was still kind of a lot of shit on the ball. (laughs) 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 So just put Gaylord Perry out (laughs) to pasture. I think the thing is, is baseball's got this funny thing where, like, they police themselves and let the players handle it. And, you know, they're they're doing a lot to kind of, um, you know, soften the game people say like oh the dirty slides in a second and the you know the this you know they're they're you know they're they're taking the the manhood out of the game it's all a bunch of bull crap you know if if you're putting somebody's career in jeopardy it's a dirty play i yes. don't care um if you're throwing at somebody it's a dirty play i don't care well everyone if somebody stands home. and watches a home run stands and watches a home run for a half a second it's okay like the game is supposed to be fun and also like there are people that got upset when, you know, when they changed the rule because Posey got hurt. And so they changed the, the, the rule about blocking the plate with catchers. And it was like, oh, they're softening the game. And, you know, the rule about – they have the, the rule this year about sliding in a second and when you can slide and cleats right. up and all this stuff. I, they have the right idea. I don't think they've uh, handled it properly this year, but they have the right idea. I understand why some people are upset. But the reality is this. Baseball is just like any other sport. It's better when its stars are healthy. Right. Right. And so when Posey gets hurt on a play like that, it's like, we can't have this. I'd like anyone who says that that's softening up the game to take the same hit. Let's replicate it and and put you down. Yeah. That was a mon. I mean, that could very well have ended his career. Yeah. Now we're five years removed from that situation, but still. But it still left such a mark. Well, my my argument was always, I think you're right, dude. I I think you're My argument was always, you know, could, could somebody go run into second base like that and take out a second baseman? Well, no. Then what the fuck's the difference? Right. Right? Why is that okay? And so now, you know, you got the way like I said, the way that they've gone about the they used to have something called the um in the neighborhood play where if a guy is turning a a, a double play at second base, he doesn't have to necessarily be standing on the bag or even necessarily even hit the bag with his foot as long as he catches the ball and makes the motion and he's in the neighborhood of the right. of the bag and then he can make the turn and that was to kind of help, you know, um, promote the safety of the in, the middle infielders, um, you know, to keep from getting blown up by some of these guys. Well, then they they removed the neighborhood play, um, and then you know sort of started to regulate like what is what constitutes a late slide. Um, but some of the stuff like they should have if they're keeping the safety of the players in mind, both of those rules can coexist, and it it's just weird the way they're going about it. So, you know, in terms of the dirty plays and whatnot, you know, baseball's got the right idea. They're trying to keep their stars in the game. And as far as some of this other stuff of, like, you know, the unwritten rules and the codes of baseball, it's like, give me a break, man. It's a, it's a kid's sport, dude. Right. It's a kid's sport. Like, let some of the childhood love back into it. And kids do goofy things, and they're funny. Like, you know, we don't, <laughs> we don't love the movie The Sandlot because of... Because nobody stands and watch doesn't nobody stands and watches their home runs. We love them because a bunch of goofy kids making jokes, right? Right, and baseball and everyone can identify with that. And yeah, and can. baseball at its core is a, like a kids' game. It's a pastime, and so right. I just think like the old stuffy ways of baseball kind of need to go away and let some of the fun st- stick back out. I like it. All right, well let's uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, I got another beer on ice. I got to go grab sports meets beer. We're on break. Break. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Welcome back. Sports meets beer. We are about to wrap this thing up. It's late, man. It is. Uh, we're going to we're gonna drop some fun clips from uh, the, the wine country, uh, Sonoma County Big Q. Uh, <clears throat> as we do that, we're, we're, uh, we're listening and actually just started listening to some of the clips and laughing. Uh, so we hope you guys enjoy them as much as we did making fun of people. Uh, and it's really the best part about going out to those events. Oh, hands down. It's people watching and, and making fun of people. It's great. Um, as we were listening, uh, we are on our last last beer, third beer of the night. Uh, and this is from a brewery that we've tasted here before, uh, Dust Bowl. We've yes. talked about them, uh, but they are... Uh, Grapes of Wrath. Yeah. Hops of Wrath, Hops rather. of Wrath. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we tried the Hobo, Hobo Pilsner from them uh, before. Yeah, that's right. So... Tried a second one from them. Uh, this is, I think the name is not very nice. The Rapist Imperial IPA. Uh, that's Therapist. Ooh, ooh, my bad. Uh, <laughs> therapist Imperial IPA. No appointment necessary on the label. Oh, isn't that clever? So nice. Uh, so this is a 10.4 ABV, 100 IBU beer. Uh, they are, you know, touting uh, aroma of citrus, tropical fruits, and pine. Um, I get the little bit of citrus, nothing on tropical fruits, and a whole lot of pine. Uh, we're talking about a light, multi sweetness that does not overpower, and I could could not disagree more. There's like a there's like a nuttiness in this too, like from the malt that. Yeah, I mean, I... I think... Here's the deal. I think the description that they're giving is completely inaccurate. Yes. But I don't find it to be uh, altogether unpleasant. I think it's nice. I I, uh, I think this is... Well, the one that strikes me odd is uh, it does not... The sentence, that does not overpower. It's 100 IBUs. Yeah, it's big. It's going to wreck yeah. your palate. Yeah, it's big. Uh, so, I, I don't know. It's uh, It's a good beer. That's good. I, I probably wouldn't. I it's to me there's there's a lot of other beers out there uh as far as Imperial IPAs that I would go with if I was gonna go drink a Imperial IPA. I don't necessarily think this is the one. But uh, you know, these guys uh these guys here, I mean they don't they uh one thing I will say, Dust Bowl began because of Sam Adams brewing. Right. It's kind of a fun story. The uh two thousand six Sam Adams long shot homebrew competition, which they don't do anymore around here at least. I wish they did. It was kind of cool. Uh, but it was one, uh, Don and uh, who's the cat here? Don Oliver, who won the, who won the uh, award. And then there was uh, a gentleman named Brett, who sounds like he's the money guy behind this. Uh, but, yeah, they are Central California Brew. They met up in 2011, uh, and they've been going ever since. So, I don't know, good beers. This one, I, I mean, looking at it, it it's um, – I mean, it's it's pretty standard for an IPA. I mean, you're getting kind of a golden hue to it. Uh, lacing is creamy. Um, the, the aroma, as we discussed, I mean, you know, Brad's getting some nuttiness out of it. I'm getting a whole lot of pine. It's a uh, bulldozer of hops, 100 IBUs. I mean, if you're looking for an imperial, a big imperial IPA, I mean, it's cool. I think Dust Bowl brings some cachet to the table. I don't necessarily think this is uh, the best 100 IBU beer you're gonna find. No, I would have, I would take Hop Stupid over this in a second. And I even uh, Breaking Bud from from Knee Deep. Pretty much anything out of Knee Deep is yes. far superior to this. You just have to pay five times the price. Right. So uh, that's it. So while we're drinking on this Dust Bowl, 
please uh, listen to us in the dust bowl of wind and uh, listen to these following segments. We're probably just going to jump them one into another. Uh, please enjoy, and thank you for listening. Sports, Sports Beat Fan! <laughs> 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 